You bet. Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice, and we're happy you're spending some time with us. Chip and Zay from 12 to 2. Everybody uh, has been kind enough to uh, help us out, Zay, because I am getting on an airplane and headed to Des Moines for a wonderful weekend of college football and not only am i going to des moines and then making another hour drive to ames tomorrow but the game kicks off at seven mm. not six not six thirty seven which means we won't get done until 10 30 which means post game won't be over until 11 30 which means i won't be back in my hotel until probably 2 a.m. Oof! So, this is a young man's game, Zay, and I am not young. Yeah, man, you're still a little spry, you know? I mean, if it wasn't for your partner, you know, messing his calf up yesterday, you would have got the dub, you know, in y'all's doubles match. So, you still could play with the best of them, these young whippersnappers out there. But yeah, being in that town for that long, I salute you. At least this is the last one. At least you know that for a fact. This is the last time. I'm. You're not going up for basketball. So, this is it for you. So, cherish it. Do some things you've never done before. Go some places. See some sights you've never seen. Eat some corn. And have a good old time and see if the Horns could get their 10th win leaving Ames for the last time, maybe ever. That's right. That's right. I mean, we do open the show with happiness as a choice. I'm going to choose to be happy. I'm going to choose to maybe go to some deli. That I've never been to in Ames. <laughs> yeah, what are they you, known for? Are they just known for corn? Do they have anything else? I mean, you know, going on. They're kind of just known for corn. Mm. Corn and cold, and maybe the early caucuses in the presidential race, which, um, yeah, we can move on from that. Um, so, cause that was, that'd be really depressing, but yeah. Hey, it's yeah, a free so they're Known for their sour cream raisin pie. That sounds gross. That's Iowa disgusting. Handballs, that's disgusting. Made right sandwiches, steak. They I don't, I don't, I don't get it. white, uh, con. I don't get the, what I don't like sour cream, cottage cheese, mayonnaise, None of it. Yeah, I, don't I don't get it. I don't like any of those either. I don't get it. I don't get any of those things. But, you know, my man, Sean Adams, loved mayonnaise. Like, put mayonnaise on his hot dogs. Put mayonnaise on his hamburgers. Put mayonnaise on everything. And, like, mm. when we would go through the drive through he'd be like, ask him for obscene amounts of mayonnaise. And I'm like, oh, I'm not saying God. that. <laughs> he'd say, say it, say it, say it, say it. Obscene <laughs> amounts of mayonnaise. I'm like, you say it. So, yeah, he loved mayonnaise, and I just never understood it. But um, look at this. Amo is like, I'll be back at the hotel just in time to see the end of the F1 race. Have you seen all the craziness going on in Vegas because of this F1 race? Nope. The only thing I've seen in Vegas is the A's going there. 
Yeah. So, well, this weekend F1 is there and apparently it's so messed up. They don't have enough security. They, they, first of all, they canceled the first practice. So if, if you came from across the globe to see this F1 race, cause these F1 people come from all over the world for these races, you didn't get P1, which is, you know, you get, any chance you get to see the cars on the track, you're excited. They canceled P1. Then they kicked people out because they didn't have enough security for P2. And so if you're if you paid all this money to get there for this F1 race and like you're getting gypped out of your opportunities, man, it's a mess. So who knows how that thing's going to end up. But thanks, Amo. I, I do have that to look forward to, I guess. Yeah, I'd be um, pissed because Vegas ain't cheap. You know, folks trying to stay on the strip at the Cosmo and MGM Grand. And, and Zay, they, the so. fountains at Bellagio have been off for like two weeks because they had to build stands on top of the fountain for people to be able to watch the race. Cause it goes right down the strip. Like, I don't know what they were thinking, but yeah, the fountains, like if anyone who's been to Vegas and knows how big that the fountains are at Bellagio, that's yeah, all. That's a nice show. Huh? That's a nice show. Oh yeah. It's great. It's great. And it's, it's such a part of Vegas mm-hmm. and it's, it's now covered by, uh, by like bleachers and, seating for f1 so that'll be great um but zay we're gonna we're gonna talk to alec bussy of cyclonealert.com of the 24 7 sports network at uh 12 30 to get the latest from cyclone land as we uh as we tailgate today for texas and iowa state and you know, I got to check in with you. Check your pulse. Yesterday, there was some doomsday coming. How you feeling? How you feeling, big fella? Um, Nervous. Okay. Really nervous. You know. Doomsday still? Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. You know, I mean, as crazy as we like to think Jared Huffer offensive lineman sounds with the shit talking that – he expressed to the media this week it's there's some quiet confidence there somewhere or i guess loud confidence if you talk about you know his comments and stuff but they're they're a confident group and they always play texas so tough he's right when it gets dark there it's just a different atmosphere so all those things along with jonathan brooks being out that makes me nervous and listening to Jeff Howe, 24-7 with Rodney Rodriguez before us. Like, can Sart be patient with his play calling? Can he dink and dunk his way up the field? Is he willing to go eight-minute, nine-minute, maybe 10-minute drives that start on, you know, your in your back of your end zone or red zone area and go up the field about 85 yards and take whatever the defense gives you. Or are we going to see after you get nine yards on a second down run and you throw for a bubble screen, will we see that Sark? That's what I'm afraid of. And is he going to be too cute without 24? 
out for the reg, uh, for the rest of the season, or is he gonna really trust his guys? And sometimes that could cost them. Sometimes trusting your guys and maybe getting too cute, you know, that's cost them at times on fourth down occasions, going to Savion Red a little too much. Like, I'm with David Ash. That shit is pretty dated at this point. Like, everyone knows once Savion Red goes out there, probably 90% of the time, he's going to take off and run. And even though they tried to sprinkle in the Gunner Helm throw in the Oklahoma game in the Red Cat, still, like, I'm not really trying to see Savion Red out there. Now, if he wants to be out there as a running back with Quinn Ewers handling the ball, then sure, you're going to have to try multiple things with the four running backs that you have and C.J. Baxter, Jaden Blue, Keenan Robinson, and against uh, Savion Red. So hopefully one of those guys could light a spark for this team. But again, the interior line for the Texas Longhorns, they've really struggled. I mean... They're 128 in the nation when it comes to run power success rate. Like, there's only 131 teams, Chip. So if you're 128 at anything, that is atrocious, and that's very dangerous for a team that plays pretty good against the run. I mean, you talk about Bo Freeler, that dude's going to come up and hit you. He has some big-time hits for tackles for losses, and it might look like you're able to run on that three-high defense, but they got guys coming up and scheming and doing different things and giving you different looks, and they're a lot tougher than people give them credit for. So, yeah, all those things make me nervous, but at the end of the day, I know Texas has the better players all around. It's just... You can't play down to your competition. You got to understand this is another team in your way, trying to get in the way of your goals and your aspirations. And like we've been saying all week, you got to Draymond Green their ass. You got to choke them out. And when you take these big leads, unlike against U of H, Kansas State, and uh, TCU, you got to take advantage of them and keep the foot on the gas, but don't get cute with it. And sometimes you might have to stick to the run game, like we talked about, Chip, just to give that defense some rest. Can can Sark play complimentary football tomorrow? We will see. Well, you look at you look. You, would you say the best game Texas has played this year would either be Alabama, Kansas? Yeah. Uh, either yeah. way, one of them was in September. The other one was in October. And look, they've played really well to build the leads they had against Houston, against K-State, and against TCU. It's what you just said at the end. You've got to put your foot on their neck. And sometimes that means, for Sark, it means being smart, running the football. Like I said, in the TCU game, he got to the run where he had that series where he ran it 10 straight times. He got there two series too late. He should have gotten there in the third quarter, up 26-6, to six, and started to wear down TCU's defense at that point. Instead, he's jacking around, throwing bubble screens on third and one. Like, you heard Glenn Smith yesterday, offense, former offensive assistant coach with the Dallas Cowboys, say, I thought, like, Sark was trying to work on some stuff there. Like... <laughs> What are you doing? You're in November. In November. Yeah. You're on the road in the Big 12 race. Put it down. You know, 
allow your team to play complimentary football because he didn't help his defense at all by throwing it a bunch and only running it three times in the third quarter. And, and then, you know, TCU holds the ball for 11 minutes in that quarter. Defense is tired in the fourth quarter. They're missing tackles, giving up, you know, the stuff that finally got Sark pissed off. What Sark, you know, has been good about all year. He's been good about saying, you know, we have to help the defense. We got to not turn the ball over. We got to possess the ball. I didn't really hear that this week. Um, I heard it looked like seven on seven out there. You know, a lot of missed tackles. We got to we got to stay aggressive. And so I get it. Be get on Pete Kwiatkowski. Tell him, hey, we're going to stay aggressive. We're going to we're going to be up on the line. We're going to bring pressure. We're going to keep doing that. We're not going to play back and try and keep everything in front of us and blah, blah, blah. And with a running quarterback. I get it. But again, you've got the Mo Blackwell package. Let let those guys be the the ones, you know, Johnny Barron, Jalen Ford, Mo Blackwell be the ones to contain the quarterback and and then you know play aggressive in your in your pass coverage and get hands on these receivers at the line and reroute them for God's sake. That's how you get pressure. You make that quarterback hold it. I mean, everyone's talking about how fast. Rocco Beck gets the ball out, 2.8 seconds. We'll ask Alec Bussey about that, but he's also thrown some picks. So you need to make this guy feel heat from the jump. Let's go. Let's go, man. Hell, it might be faster than that. I think it's 2.4 seconds, his average. 2.4. 2.4. That's just catching it, getting the laces tight and slinging that thing in there. Like, hey, Jaron Thompson, Keaton Crawford, if you guys are going to play up or if, you know, Terry Joseph, Blake uh, Gideon and Pete Krakow's going to have y'all playing up, head on the swivel. Head on the swivel because you're right, Chip. They got to redirect these guys off their routes and get them a step slower so Rocco Beck is out here confused and running for his life because the defensive line has to be a part of this game, man. They have to be. They have to. And even if, you know, Rocco Beck gets the ball out of his hands, we got to get those hands up. Ethan Burke, you're 6'7 for a reason, bro. Get them big-ass arms up and deflect some things, man. That's what you got to do. That's what – make those guys think about it. And when Rocco Beck tries to run, we lighten his ass up. We lighten his ass up. Nothing dirty like what I saw last night with the dude in the lunging in the game. <laughs> Nothing like that, but controlled aggressiveness. That, that's exactly what we needed. Mo Blackwell, yeah, put him out there. Let him do his thing. The dude's healthy now. He's shown that. He's shown that he's healthy. I know they're probably a little cautious about using him, and he was probably on a you know pitch count or just a time restriction. Now that shouldn't even be a thing. And didn't really hear much about Jalen Catalan this week. I guess we could ask you about that. You know, on his availability. Yeah, I think have- he's. I think he's ready. I think. Yeah. I think we'll see him Saturday night. So, you know, let's let's hope that the Jalen Catalan is back and ready to go because we saw him put a hit on Jason Bean that knocked the ball sideways. Unfortunately, it went right into the hands of the damn running back who ran it in for the craziest, you know, play. I think we've seen this this year for, for a, a forced fumble, but yeah, Jalen Catalan, 
Let's go, baby. Yeah. Hits on quarterback. Yeah. That's Man. that's key. Yeah, don't be careful because even though they like to dink and dunk, Barack Obeck in the ball of his hands quick. They want to get you, you know, used to that, and they might do it five or six times, and then, bam, they'll try to hit you over the top with uh, Noel and um, – What's the other guy's name? Higgins, Jalen Higgins. Like both of those guys are definitely capable. Obviously, they miss Xavier Hutchinson's production all those years. That dude was solid, which is why he's playing on Sundays. But yeah, man, I this game Higgins is the six four. Higgins looks like AD Mitchell. Yeah, he's big. He's their he's their big target. Jalen Knowles, their Amon Ross St. Brown guy, he just kind of gets open and you know, does it all. Jalen Noel had a big touchdown last year when Ryan Watts got hurt and went out of the game. You had young players in the game for Texas. Uh, Austin Jordan, I think, was on Jalen Noel and and Noel got him. It was like a 54-yard touchdown pass. And that, you know, now you've got guys with experience. There should be no excuses. Texas unless it's been a safety, really hasn't given up, you know, terrible plays. I know the 36-yard touchdown catch and run by Phillip Brooks against Ryan Watts and Michael Taff. You kind of just got to say, okay, Phillip Brooks, man, you got some wiggle. That was that was making guys miss in a phone booth, you know, from point blank. Um, yeah, I mean, Duck, Glaciers, you know, and I think Sark – Sark, um, that's a message really to the defense. You know, the defense has to stay aggressive, has to play like it's 0-0 through the whole game. And and that's when I think we're going to see these, these leads expand and Texas close out wins because, you know, this whole thing about keeping stuff in front of you, it hasn't worked. It has not worked. It hasn't worked all season. So you're not good at it. Stop. I know you work on it and you're trying to get these guys, but whatever it is, too much rotation, it's safety. The communication that that the communication problems that that causes, whatever it is, y'all haven't fixed it. And and it's got everybody concerned. Like everybody's, you know, my man Josh Pate on uh, 24-7 Sports Late kick with Josh Pate. He's got this as an upset alert on 10. Like he had the TCU game as upset alert four. Now it's 10. I mean, these, these, you know, playing to keep stuff in front of you on defense and not playing complimentary football and special teams was bad last week. Now that was not the norm. Ryan Sanborn's been pretty good. You know, he did have one bad punt against K-State, too. He's actually had kind of a string of bad punts. We need Ryan Sanborn to get back to booming those 50-yarders and, you know, killing them like a nine-iron. Yeah, him- ever since he got that punt block at Kansas State, mentally, he hasn't yeah, been there, Chip. You're right. He hasn't, right. he hasn't been there. I don't know what they were doing in the Pac-12. I feel like... He should be used to having the uh, blunt, excuse me, punt blocked every once in a while. But yeah, maybe he everything. needs a blunt. <laughs> <laughs> did, hey, he drop, did he drop? Did he drop the snap? Yeah, he dropped the snap after the punt block yeah, too. Yeah, he, he dropped the snap. 
the snap, man, last week where Bert Lauper couldn't even get the attempt. So, yeah, he's been tripping. He's been tripping. We got to... We gotta lock that in, man. We gotta lock that up. We gotta, yeah, we gotta lock that, that up. stuff up because that's unacceptable. You know, Ryan Ryan Sanborn was looking like a, uh, you know, uh, unsung hero. Yeah. And now you're like, yo, Ryan, we're trying to crown your ass. You know. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't leave us now, but you gotta have everything. Because Texas has the talent, coaches, Jeff Banks, special teams coach, guys best in the business. That don't, you can't be leaking oil now. Yeah, Jeff Banks, it should be personal. He should remember what they were saying about his woman and his monkey last time he was in Ames. Hell yeah, that's personal. Don't talk about my woman. I don't care what she's done in the background. She's made an honest living. No matter if she looked good or not. Don't talk about my woman. Okay, cool. It's going to be personal. Jared Hufford, you don't know what personal is, buddy. Y'all taking it to a whole new level. And y'all act like our shit, or we act like our shit don't stink. Okay, cool. Cool. Like we ain't got no blue-collar guys on this team. Come on, man. Mookie Taft might be from Westlake, but he played like he from John Brown's hood in Compton. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's get it. Like, I, I can't I can't wait for this match, even though I'm nervous as hell. Gustavo called me out yesterday, said, Zay, stop being scared. Yeah, I'm for sure scared just because that UTSD is real, but I'm still excited. You know, this opportunity to win 10 games hasn't been done in a minute to put yourself in a contention for the Big 12 championship. Grand opportunities here. Like, that's why you play the game. That's why we cover this sport. Because it's fun, it's exciting, it makes our job better when Texas is winning. And Texas could keep on doing that, even if it's ugly or not. That was the student sign in 2021 after Monkey Gate. Yes, yeah, so it's, the, <laughs> it's the upside down longhorn with the monkey hanging on one side. And then who was that supposed to be on the left? The stripper. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So, for those of you listening on the app, um, there was a student sign right as I mean, the team walked right by this guy, and I was like, "Oh, he's gonna get punched." Um, but it was an upside down Longhorn with a stripper hanging off one of the horns, um, and a monkey hanging off the other horn, and um, yeah. That was fresh at the time, and and it cost Jeff Banks. It cost him uh, a chance to become the Washington State head coach. That that's real, because uh, Tim Rolovich, the head coach of Washington State, would not get vaccinated. They terminated him. The leading candidate was Jeff Banks, but Monkey Gate broke right as that job was coming open. And you don't so like they, animals up there, Pacific Northwest. Huh? They don't like animals up there. I guess they don't like, you know, they got a little nervous about the pole assassin. Oh, man. Come on. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, her nickname on social media. And and look, she teaches people how to pole dance. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's a, a form of exercise. That's Women a do workout. that. Right. It's a workout. Yeah. And she's really good at it. Yes. So why are we hating? Why are we hating? That don't make no sense to me, man. But hey, better for Texas. I like Jeff Bangs. I like what he brings to the table. He's a good recruiter. He's a good coach. So I'm glad that, you know, selfishly, he's still here. and <laughs> didn't go to Washington State, you know. Well, let's check in. Let's check in with the Iowa State Cyclones. Joining us now from CycloneAlert.com. Alec Bussy. Alec, what's going on? Hey, Chip. How are you guys? Happy to be on. Um, excited for a big weekend of football. Yeah, I mean, we're uh, we got all kinds of drama going on here with uh, with Texas and these big leads that they've let wind down to little leads, um, slim margins of victory, and then and then tell us about uh, Jared. Hufford, because he certainly made some uh, some news this week, Alec. Yeah, he did. Um, obviously, he's been at Iowa State, I think, since 2019. So he's part of what I would consider maybe the golden age of Iowa State football. They've had a lot of success here. I know they missed a bowl game last year, but, you know, playing for the Big 12 title in 2020, um, going to a bowl game in 2021, six bowl games in seven years under Matt Campbell. And he's been a part of a lot of that. Um, and he said pretty point blank on Tuesday at Iowa State's weekly media availability that he doesn't like Iowa and he doesn't like Texas. Um, he insinuated that, you know, Texas has, you know, all the five-star players, all the resources to be really good. Um, and I think the most glaring thing that he said to me was, you know, they have really big egos and those egos need to be checked. Um, and it's rare to kind of hear players say those things in today's world of media availabilities. Normally they're pretty buttoned up and give you, you know, pretty boring answers, but he didn't. Um, and it was pretty clear that he doesn't hold Texas in very high regard um, personally. And I'll be intrigued to see if he feels some extra heat from the interior of Texas's defensive line, because that's obviously been a huge strength with Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy. Yeah, Alec, like, is that just the vibe on campus or just in the locker room that, yeah, Texas, they act like they shit don't sting. They're over here and all the five-star guys. You heard Brees Hall talk about it a couple of years ago saying, yeah, well, we got that five-star mentality, even though we bring the three stars in. It's just that's how they pump themselves up and motivate themselves for this game and we know everybody hates texas and stuff but you've seen the track record in recent years like iowa state they've had the horns number yeah i think it's just kind of like a similar um sense of belief across the entire big 12 and i think you factor in like the whole um you know leaving to go to the sec beginning next year i think that that kind of ruffled a lot of feathers for obvious reasons um and then the big 12 kind of being left for dead after that it was obviously able to kind of rebound and find itself in a pretty stable situation with the four new schools coming in this year and then the four Pac-12 schools coming next year. But I think a lot of it is just 
I don't, I don't want to say resentment or jealousy, but I think that that's kind of where a lot of it is kind of rooted. And I think some of it too, um, from the perspective of someone who's covered both Kansas state and Iowa state in the last, in the last year is, you know, Texas hasn't had a lot of success on the field in the last decade um, or the success that they would like to have on the field in the last decade. I think that that's where a lot of it comes from. And yet they still get a lot of attention across the conference. They're still desired by the SEC. Um, and th that's because Texas's brand is so powerful, right? And so many people want to watch Texas, regardless of if they're winning 10, 11, 12 games a year. So I think that that's where a lot of it comes from. And it, it's certainly a motivating factor. And then you add in the fact that senior night on Saturday at Jack Trice Stadium and probably the last game for Gerard Hufford and a few of the other seniors are honoring, I think, 14 of them. Uh, I think all of that kind of combines and they want to get a win on their on their last home game. Um, and then it being against the number seven team in the country just adds a lot of fuel to the fire. Yeah, Alec, <clears throat> Gerard, or Jared, right, Jared? Yep. Um, that's what's even more... I guess surprising is that he's the guy who's got to go up against Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke, which is the strength of the Texas team. And, you know, Sweat and Murphy are the two highest graded interior defensive linemen in college football, according to pro football focus. And so what, What's this? What's his personality like? Is he the alpha of this team? Is he the guy that everyone rallies around? Um, like, are they are they like getting in behind him, saying yeah, or are they like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> um, he is a leaner. He is a leader. I would say on the team, especially across the offensive line, he's been a starter for two or three years. So we factor all those things in, and I think he's someone who kind of is maybe a little bit of a player that people rally behind and kind of listen to. And I think his voice does certainly carry a lot of weight in the Iowa State locker room. I will say I did find it interesting. Um, later on Tuesday, we get the players before we get to talk to Matt Campbell and one of his coordinators every week. I was able to ask Coach Campbell about, you know, kind of his comments and whatever. And it, Campbell didn't hear what he said specifically. I'm sure he's seen it since or been told of it since. But Campbell was really complimentary of Texas and what Steve Sarkeesian has done in his three years there and um, the way he's built it and the success that he's had, obviously, this year and the process, I think, of getting it to the success. So I don't know if, um, you know, Campbell is giving you like the stereotypical coach speak answer and it's a, a different opinion um, behind closed doors. But I do think that Hufford's statements are something that a lot of players on this on the team might feel. Um, and he certainly is someone who, like I said, is a leader. I believe he is a captain on the team. Um, and he's been a starter for multiple years across the offensive line. Well, Rocco Becht is the guy he's got to protect. And that guy's gotten better as the year has gone on. Um, he he did have the pick six um, against Oklahoma and against Kansas. In those situations, Alec, was it him getting pressured, not seeing you know, the, the defender, how would you describe those situations? Yeah. So he actually has three pick sixes on the year. Um, and for the most part, he's been pretty good about getting the ball out accurately and on time to his targets on the field. Um, the interception against Kansas was miscommunication on an option route with one of his top targets, Jaden Higgins. Um, he thought Higgins was going to run a different route and Higgins ran um, a different one. So I guess, I mean, it was one of those where the receiver can kind of decide based on the defensive coverage, which Rowdy wants to run. And there was just a miscommunication there. And you know how that goes on option routes. It kind of leaves you in a bad spot. 
The one against Oklahoma, um, that was all the way back early in the season. That was Iowa State's first road game in the Big 12, and it was actually on Iowa State's first possession of the game that he threw that pick six. And I don't remember it specifically, but I remember it just kind of being picked off and it going the other way right away. And you're like, oh, God, like we are in for a storm here tonight if that's how this is going. Um, in the first quarter, that game ended up being really, really competitive. I think it's 23-20 at the end of the first quarter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's generally a really accurate quarterback. He's um, had some hiccups here in the last three weeks. He struggled at, uh, excuse me, he struggled at Baylor, um, missed what should have been two touchdown passes against Baylor, had an interception over the middle of the field. And then against Kansas, you mentioned the pick six chip. Um, but he rebounded really well last week against BYU, had two touchdown passes. I think he's going to be a huge key for them to win on Saturday night. He's going to need to play really, really well. Um, you know, the weak spot of the Texas defense is the secondary. So Iowa State's going to need to be able to throw the ball and take advantage of some of the injuries that they've had back there. Yeah. Alec, talk about the roller coaster it's been in the last year from Hunter Deckers and other players gambling scandal to losing to Ohio. Like, again, not Ohio State, the Ohio Bobcats and Matt Campbell about to fight some fan that was trying to just get in this shit and just all types of craziness to now a team that has a chance to still go to Jerry World and play for a big 12 championship like it's been a big time 180 for the cyclones team and you know even though they lost to kansas a couple of weeks ago it's a squad that's playing some pretty confident football right now yeah i wrote after they clinched bowl eligibility last weekend at byu that i think that this is probably the best coaching job that matt campbell has performed in his tenure at ohio state or excuse me at iowa state um when you think about overcoming all the off the field stuff that dates back to the spring with the gambling investigation and then being able to navigate an early season really bad, frustrating loss to Ohio on the road. No, that's really hard to overcome losing four or five starters. And then you start the season one and two with a loss to a group of five team. But he's talked a lot about, um, you know, he feels like this team is really good at understanding the process and they show up every single day with the same, same attitude, same intent. And he gives a lot of credit to the senior class for being able to do those things. So you combine all of that stuff, and I think Iowa State's done a really good job of just kind of being steady and taking advantage of playing opponents in the Big 12 this year who maybe are in the bottom tier of the league. I mean, they've played both Baylor and Cincinnati. Uh, they got Oklahoma State at the right time early in the year before the Cowboys really got going. And then I also think that TCU is a team that's kind of in that bottom half group of the Big 12, and they handled them as well. But their last month of the season – is where it really gets tough. And I've always kind of said that. I think what we're really going to get a good understanding of how good this Iowa State team is in the last month where they play Kansas, BYU, Texas this week, and then next week, and they go on the road to K-State. So there's a good opportunity, I think, for them to win two or three of them if things really fall their way. But there's also an opportunity for them to lose three of the four if they aren't able to win this weekend the next weekend against um, Texas and K-State. So uh, we're talking to Alec Bussey, CycloneAlert.com, um, about the Iowa State Cyclones. And Abu Sama, uh, freshman, ran for 100 yards last week against BYU. Is he emerging as the guy, or is it by committee with, with Cartavius Norton and, and Eli Sanders? Yeah, I would say it's more of a by-committee approach. For most of the season, I would say that, you know, Sam has kind of been a change of pace back for Iowa State. Earlier in the year, he got more carries than he had recently. Last weekend, he kind of broke out again. He had 110 yards. He was the first Iowa State back to run for at least 100 yards in a, in a game this season. He had two touchdowns. 
a 13-yard run that the broadcasters kind of compared him to Barry Sanders on with some of his shifty and jukes. Um, if you get a chance to find it on YouTube, it is kind of an interesting run. It was more impressive to me than his, I think, 55-yard touchdown run that he had in the second half where he went untouched. Um, he has good speed. He has good vision, but he is a freshman. He's smaller. Um, he's not someone who I think has necessarily like breakaway speed. Like he's not someone who's going to run away from a defense. Uh, but I do think he has good vision. He has really good ability to cut back. Um, he's able to be agile, agile. He's someone who I think is is valuable for them on the ground. But I don't think he's their number one back. I would I would describe Eli Sanders as I would say it's number one back. He's consistent. He runs hard. Um, and then Norton is kind of like someone that they can kind of rely on. I think to get them two or three yards at a time. Uh, I don't think he runs as hard as Eli Sanders does, but he is consistent. And that none of them are showing up much in the receiving game, but they're not. Is the no, most of them, most of Iowa State's passing game goes more directly towards the receivers on the outside. The two big targets on the outside being Jalen Knoll um, and Jaden Higgins. And then they also rely on their tight ends a lot, whether that's Easton Dean um, Steve O'Klotz, and then true freshman Ben Bramer is someone that they rely on a lot in the passing game, too. They like to find all three of those guys. Um, First-year offensive coordinator Nate Shieldhouse has talked a lot about how important those guys have been about finding targets over the middle. But even more specifically in the blocking game, you, you, even in the pass game, after um, a receiver gets the ball, those tight ends have been really important for Iowa State being able to break plays down the field. So don't look for the running backs to be super involved in the passing game. But look for the tight ends to make an impact. Yeah, Bramer's the one. He's got two touchdown catches. He does. Yeah, Bramer's had a really good year. Um, I don't I don't know how much they were expecting him to make this big of an impact this season for Iowa State, but he's had a really good year for Iowa State, and he's been someone that they can rely on to make good plays on the field. And Easton Dean's kind of like the good leader of the group, um, while Klotz is like the guy they rely on to get good blocks. Yeah. Alec, Jeremiah Cooper has been out these last two games. What's his status, the safety for the Cyclones? You'll have to see. Um, he tweeted last night, um, 7 o'clock p.m. Seems like kind of he's insinuating that he'll be back on Saturday night against Texas. Matt Campbell spoke on Tuesday and said that he was a little bit more likely to play than not. Um, but he was dressed last week at BYU. He went through warm-ups at BYU. That, that's kind of a positive sign that I think he'll play against Texas, too been dealing with a lower leg injury he's important like you said he's got five interceptions on the year that's second in the country and with how talented um texas's receivers are you know mitchell worthy even tight end jatavian sanders and then that third option jordan whittington i think that he's really important because i don't think iowa state can risk getting beat over the top a ton this weekend against the longhorns so having him will be really important if he's able to go um, and like I said, he's been dealing with a little bit of a lower leg injury, and they seem to be confident that he'll be available. What? Uh, where's the matchup you think Texas gives Iowa State the most trouble? And what's the matchup that Iowa State, um, you know, which which matchup favors each team? That's a really good question. Um, I think that Texas's defensive line could cause issues for Iowa State. I don't think that Iowa State is going to run the ball for more than like 50 or 75 yards total. Um, they've been one of the bottom groups in the Big 12 this year in terms of rushing offense. They've struggled to kind of get that going. Now, it's been better in the last month, month and a half, but they haven't played defensive front like Texas is all season. Um, so I think they'll struggle to stop um, those guys from getting pressure up front. And then I think on the other side, a matchup that favors Iowa State, it might be the, it might be the receivers going against Texas's secondary 
Um, I don't know if Ryan Watts has been back. I know he's banged up a little bit earlier in the season, but he's kind of been a good player for Texas at corner. I'll be intrigued to see what his impact is on slowing down either Noel or Higgins on the outside. But if Iowa State can kind of hit some pass plays downfield um, to sustain some drives, I think that gives them an opportunity to stay in the game. And I think that's probably the best pathway for them to stay in the game because if they try and run the ball into the brick wall of Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and Baron Sorrell, like they're not going to have success. Like K-State fell into a 17 nothing hole trying to do that. Um, they fell into a 27-7 hole trying to do that as well. So I, I don't think that Iowa State has the playmakers on the outside or the quarterback play to kind of overcome a big deficit against Texas. But also, I mean, Texas has kind of allowed some teams to come back in the last three or four games. So it'll be intriguing to see if the receivers are able to make plays on the outside. Alec, John Haycock, we know what he means to the Cyclones program, and we know he's kind of the pioneer of that three-high safety defense that's kind of been, you know, replicated in the Big 12. What's Why has he stayed? You know, I feel like he's had opportunities to go maybe some G5 schools or maybe even some lower power five schools, but he stuck around in Ames, and it seems like him and Matt Campbell just have a really good chemistry. I think you said it right there. Um, I think he's really happy here. I think he really likes working with Coach Campbell. Um, I think Campbell makes the entire facility a pretty good place to work for most of his assistants. Um, and then a lot of his players, they seem to enjoy being in the facility every single day. They enjoy you know, being around the coaching staff and playing and being a part of Iowa State football. I think that has a lot to do with it. And then I think you can go a little bit further. I think Campbell gives him a lot of um, a lot of freedom to do what he wants defensively because the defense has been so successful the last three or four years. So I think that that maybe has something to do with it. And then he's just been a really good coach. And a lot of times when you have a lot of success at a place, you don't always want to leave. Um, you know, think to another defensive coordinator in Iowa, Phil Parker has had probably more success than John Haycock has had coordinating a defense in the state. And he's been with Kirk Ferentz forever. Um, so I think you just see coordinators find success, especially once they get a little bit older and they tend to want to stay there for whatever reason. Um, he seems happy and he's having a lot of success here. So I think that all those things kind of go into it and why he's still a, a cyclone defensive coordinator. Yeah. And people wondered why Matt Campbell hasn't moved on to another job. And I've, I was always told Campbell is raising his kids in Ames and he's involved in their lives. He goes to their practices and he, wants to keep it that way until they're older and and on you know where they don't want to hang out with daddy as as much but um talk about Rocco Becht because <clears throat> obviously son of you know former NFL tight end Anthony Becht and you know what's his personality like what kind of moxie does this guy have how would you describe him yeah he's got a good quiet confidence he's not someone who I think kind of comes in and has that like loud braggadocious swagger that you see a lot of quarterbacks have sometimes, but he carries himself with a lot of confidence. The rest of the team seems to believe in him a lot. Um, and then on the field, he's given them a chance to win most weekends. Um, early in the year when they were one and two, he was able to kind of get that back into the game with fourth quarter touchdown passes to both um, in both the Iowa and the Ohio games. They weren't able to complete the comebacks, but he, got, he gave him a chance to linger around. And then, you know, they've reached bowl eligibility because he's been able to, you know, quarterback them to some really nice wins on the year. I mean, he he played incredible against Oklahoma State. I thought he played pretty well against TCU. He was good last weekend at BYU. One of his best games of the year was at Cincinnati. 
you know, you combine all those things. And I think he's really kind of started to find some rhythm in the offense. And as a redshirt freshman who I think played in three games last year, made his first start this year. He's got a touchdown pass in every game, but one on the year. And it was a loss to Kansas. Um, he's just really steady. Is he someone who, you know, is going to go win you a ton of games? Is he a Jaden Daniels type talent at LSU? No, but like how many people are? Um, and I don't, I feel like the term game manager has kind of become maybe an endearing one for quarterbacks, but I think he's a little bit more than that. But he's a really good player um, and he's just consistent and he's good at the things he needs to be good at. Gets the ball out quickly on time and accurately to his targets for, for the most part. Could you see him run for 100 yards like Dylan Gabriel did against Texas? I, I don't. Um, I don't think he's done that this season. Um, I would need to go look at his game logs. His best running game would have been against Cincinnati earlier in the year. I know that. Um, but I don't see him kind of escaping the pocket and, and making plays in the open field with his legs. He can run a little bit, but you know they're not going to run him a ton. His backup is prob- is true freshman J.J. Cole. Um, you know, their, their quarterback depth chart was, was altered quite a bit because of the gambling investigation. I don't think they were anticipating Beck being their starting quarterback in January because, you know, that was before the gambling investigation that involved Hunter Deckers kind of came out. So if, if Beck gets hurt, they're in a really tough spot because then they're going to have to throw JJ Cole into the game. And he's played in three games this year, but he hasn't really played a lot of snaps um, in any of them. He split snaps with Beck in the opener against UNI all the way back in week one. Um, and he did not look ready against Northern Iowa. The game appeared to be going too fast for him. And then he played in the two blowouts. Um, he played in the last last few minutes against Oklahoma. And then he played um, at BYU last week when it was a blowout as well. So that kind of tells you, I think, where he's at in, in terms of the quarterback depth chart. Yeah, Rocco Beck's athleticism is very underrated, very underrated, Alec. Um, Nate Schillhouse, offensive coordinator, his first year there. How's been the vibe with him? Uh, like you just said, nobody was expecting, you know, Hunter Deckers and all those guys to get caught up in this scandal. So he probably wasn't expecting to have a freshman anchor his offense. But how's Schillhouse done with calling plays? I think he's done a good job. I think the offense is um... – got a new sense of life and a new sense of energy compared to where it was last year you know statistically speaking i think it's a lot um comparable to last year but there's a different energy to it there's a young freshness to it that i think kind of adds some life to the offense overall and people seem to believe in what he wants to do they've thrown the ball better this year than they did last year they take care of the ball better this year than they did last year and i think that that's one of the big reasons why they've been able to have a lot of successes they're plus nine in the turnover margin on the year. A lot of that's on the back of the defense having, I think, 15 interceptions this season, which is tied for first in the Big 12. But yeah, he he does a really good job. He's he's smart. He's young. He does a really good job of connecting with players. I think that he's one of their better recruiters on staff, which kind of gives you an idea of his ability to communicate well with players too. Um, Nate Shell also is someone who I'm high on. He's been on Iowa State staff for several years now. Um, he graduated from Illinois, played back in you know, 2009 to 2013. I think maybe started four years at Illinois, worked for a couple of years um, under Lovey Smith there before coming to Iowa State. And he's been here ever since. Um, I think since 2017, he's been at Iowa State. That's a really long time for a young assistant court, for a young assistant coach to to be at one school. And he's seemed to find a home here, just like Matt Campbell has and just like John Haycock has. Well, Alec, how do you see this one playing out tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Jack Trice Stadium? 
Yeah, I, th- I think Texas will come out on top. Um, I do think it has the potential to be a really close game. I picked Texas to win um, in our preview story that went up this morning on our website. I forget exactly what it was. I think maybe 24-20, maybe 23-20, something like that. Um, I, I just think Texas has too much talent. Um, and I also, I know that there's been some discourse in the last couple of weeks of, you know, old Texas is back because they gave up a 21-point lead against Houston. They gave up two big leads against K-State. They gave up the 26-6 lead to TCU last week. But Old Texas loses those games. This Texas team hasn't lost any of those games. Um, And I think that that says a lot about the direction that this team has gone. Um, And I think this is a Texas team that plays more consistent. And I think that, you know, they're going to win the line of scrimmage on both sides. And when you do that, I think it's really hard to lose games. Um, So I'm siding with the Longhorns. um, And I think that they've got a good chance to get to the Big 12 title game. Do you think um, TJ Tampa is going to mirror Xavier Worthy around? I don't know if he'll mirror him because they have two really good receivers, um, not just one. I did write about that this week. TJ is really excited about this opportunity to play both um, Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell um, because I think it'll be I think it'll be a good matchup on the outside for both of them. He's someone who's probably going to be drafted day two, maybe day three, early day three at the latest. I would say. Um, and both those guys look like potential first round, maybe second, third round picks as well. So I think that'll be maybe the one matchup I'm most excited to see from a one-on-one standpoint. Yeah, me too. Yeah, good stuff, Alec. Uh, really appreciate you taking some time for us. And uh, I'll see you in Ames tomorrow night. Awesome, man. Look forward to meeting you in person for the first time. Um, have enjoyed reading your work for a while. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for your help today. Yep, of course. Talk to you guys later. See you, see you tomorrow, Chip. All right. Thanks, Alec. Appreciate you, man. See you, Zay. Alec Bussey, CycloneAlert.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. And um, sounds like we could see Jeremiah Cooper. Damn. Sounds like uh, we're going to have some fun. I mean, that's going to be a good matchup, TJ Tampa against both Worthy and A.D. Mitchell, just like Josh Newton last week, was all fired up for for Worthy, and Worthy played, you know, really well against Josh Newton as a receiver. He did not fare as well as a blocker, but that's not what you pay Xavier Worthy for. I'm not paying him to be a blocker. No. I'm paying him to get loose, baby, get some separation, get get mitts on footballs, and yar, yak, baby, yak. Yeah, man, when scouts see Xavier Worthy blocking, they're not going to say, oh, man, what, he messed up that block right there. They're going to say, why the hell is Sark making this guy block? What the hell is he doing? This doesn't make any sense. Come on, coach. <laughs> that's the, coach, that's that's the wrong person. Aye, yeah. aye, aye. Yeah. 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 yeah, Alec does great work, man. That was a good interview. You know, I uh, well keeps me scary. Just talking to him keeps me scary. Let me tell you who who else does great work. Apple leasing, baby. Apple leasing. Look, they're gonna get you into the car you want to be driving, and you're like, well, yeah. I mean, that's the way it should be. But think about it. Some of you are driving around in a used car because you didn't want to, you know, pay the future trade-in value of that car. Well, guess what? You don't pay the future trade-in value when you're leasing from Apple Leasing. So you're getting into a, a better car than you thought you could afford, and it's brand new, under warranty, new car smell. 
When was the last time you had a new car smell? You deserve that. Especially if you're living in Austin, Texas, the traffic, you're going to be in traffic. You better love the car you're in. You need to be riding around like you're in your living room. And that's what Apple Leasing is going to do for you. And here's the magic of it. They don't care what car you pick. Some of you are like, I can't, I just don't want to go to the dealership. I don't want to deal with those salespeople. At Apple Leasing, they don't care what car you pick. They just want you to be happy. They're going to ask you questions uh, if you need questions answered. Um, but they want to make sure that you're getting into the car. You know, you may be thinking, oh, man, sports car. But if you got kids and you're lugging stuff around, maybe you're not quite at the sports car yet. Um, they they want to make sure that you're in the car that's best for you, best for your lifestyle. And they will take care of you. And that's the beauty. All you got to do is call 346-9977. Go to AppleLeasing.com. Um Check out the inventory again, whether you want to keep your payments in the $400 range or get a Range Rover. They're going to get you any make and model of car. It's a beautiful thing. Apple Leasing, AppleLeasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Um, Zay, we've got, uh, we've got some interesting stuff going on here. Um, Barry! Baron Sorrell, let's go. Tell baby boy, get them hands up, man. He is. Get them hands up. Get them deflections. He is coming on. Baron Sorrell, baby. That is, uh, that's some beautiful stuff right there. Oh, seeing him on that final play against K-State. Woo! I know his teammates right love there. seeing him, too. He had Will Howard Stumbling, bumbling, falling, falling down, throwing, throwing balls up for grabs that Tavondre Sweat would have picked off if David Bender didn't knock it out of his hands. <laughs> but hey, Baron Sorrell's had some big pass rushes this season. He had some big time plays, and that none bigger than that. And yeah, Jared. What's his name? Hufford. Hufford. Yeah. Get to know Baron Sorrell. Get to know Tavondre Sweat. And it's funny because Alec just said Iowa State can't run the ball. So what, what is Jared Hufford thinking? Maybe he hadn't seen the film. I don't know. But That's the thing. They, I'm expecting a 50-throw game for Rocco Beck. When I'm hearing that, I expect Rocco back to get it out of his hands at least 50 times and them trying to exploit a Texan secondary that could be pretty vulnerable if they're not communicating the right way and if they're not playing tighter coverage. So, yeah, you know, if they have those guys playing 10 yards off and Rocco Beck is throwing those drag routes and crossing routes and quick hitters and, you know, guys are – picking guys into each other or rubbing guys into each other when it comes to those crossing routes and stuff. That's, that's not good. That's not good. So yeah, we'll see if Nate Shieldhouse, if he could draw up a game plan against Pete Kwiatkowski's defense that could break the Longhorns, then it might be a tough night tomorrow. Well, I've, I've been talking to some of the old heads over at Texas and they say that Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat remind them of Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. And 
you know, Byron Murphy would be the Casey Hampton in that equation, Tavondre Sweat, the Sean Rogers. And there were times Casey was super intense and Sean was kind of a lovable, you know, big man. But there were times where Casey and Cedric Woodard would say that the other team was saying stuff about Sean's mama to get him riled up. Well, they got video of this guy talking about egos need to be checked. So I'm really excited to see Devondre sweat because he's been so good early in games. You know, he, he posted what the first sack against TCU, then Byron Murphy, then Trill Carter and send that message early and keep sending it because look, this is your last road game of the regular season and you got to have it. Yeah. You got to have it. So this should be, and Sark said practice was, he felt like the energy was really, really good um, in the Tuesday, Wednesday practice and Thursday. So look, I know that there were some practices leading up to K-State that he was not happy with. And it sounds like this team knows what's on the line. They're dialed in. Let's see it on the field. And, you know, Sark keeps talking about, man, when we play that complete game, well, we saw it. We saw it against Alabama. We saw it against Kansas. Let's see it again. It's been a minute. Yeah. And those adjustments made throughout the game, that's going to be huge for Sark because that's a thing that he struggled with. It's obvious you're struggling with the opposing team making adjustments when you go up by 20 and then they come back in the game and you stop moving the football and you can't get stops on defense and you're playing softer coverage and the play calling is just all over the place where we got guys like Glenn Stretch Smith talking about, is he trying shit out there? Like, if you got Glenn questioning things like that, that's never good because that means your play calling is out of here. It is just not where it needs to be. And, yeah, you got to be able to keep on making adjustments throughout the game. Like, that's what it's all about. It's a long 60-minute game. And if you just get complacent and you kind of take it easy, like, yo – we're beating their ass. Let's just continue to do what, you know, we're doing and don't accept that, okay, they're going to try to make adjustments to whatever you're doing successfully. Then you're going to have those games that we saw with U of H, Kansas State, and TCU where these teams come back. So hopefully it's not in this team's head. You know, it's not a mental thing like, oh, we get up by a lot of points and we just know that they're going to come back eventually due to how, you know, things have been in previous games. Like, I don't think that's going to be a case in this game, but you never know. You never know. And somebody on our CODA text line, 512-222-9328, asks, what's the status on Jalen Street Close Catalan? Is he cleared to play? we <laughs> Come on, man. Street clothes, Catalan. I mean, it ain't that bad. We knew before the season, Chip, we talked about it. He was most likely was going to miss a couple of games. Like, that's why it really didn't hit me that hard when he went out. It was just kind of expected. 
you know, with his track record back in Fayetteville, like, dude, is probably going to miss a couple. Just how he plays. We compare him to Bob Sanders for the good and the bad. Bob Sanders, one of the best to ever do it when healthy. He just wasn't healthy very often. Him and Catalan cut from the same cloth. So, you know, it seems like he'll be ready for this game. We don't know 100%, but kind of like on the other side um, with their situation for the Cyclones when you talk about um, – Jeremiah Cooper. Jeremiah Cooper, yeah. It's kind of just an unknown thing. Both guys are dealing with injuries, but they're getting healthier. And, yeah, this team could use number 11, causing havoc and seeing what Rocco Beck does and maybe blitzing a couple of times. And, yeah, they need them. As good as Mookie Taft and Derek Williams and Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford have been, those guys have still given up some big plays at different times. So Jalen Catalan coming in. That would be huge for Pete Bukowski and this defense. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You uh, you got to have that alpha. And, you know, people talk about it being Jaron Thompson. And I've told you, I'm not sold. Like, he he's a good guy. He's a leader. He wants to help younger players. But when the fire is the hottest – the, the results have not been great. Um, now, you know, he had the two interceptions earlier in the year, the pick six against Wyoming, the interception against Alabama. Um, that was huge. But if, if he was an all-conference type player, he would not be coming off the field. And that's, that's my concern. Why is there so much rotation at safety? Last year, Anthony Cook, he didn't come off the field. And, you know, this year it's it's a revolving door back there. And so that, you know, there's a reason Todd Orlando, who was, what, two defensive coordinators ago, he rarely ever substituted on defense because he wanted the communication between his top 11 to be so good that there were no, you know, mistakes. There were no miscalculations. And and it's clearly a problem because Jade Barron basically said it this week when I asked him about how he has to communicate to Jaron Thompson, to Michael Taff, to Derek Williams, and Keaton Crawford. So it's, uh, and it's not, <clears throat> it hasn't been fixed. So stay aggressive, stay of the mindset that it's zero zero. That's that's what I'm saying because this defense has played well early in games to help Texas get these big leads. And and then, you know, when you know they're gonna pass, you stop being aggressive. Doesn't make any sense. Come on. Yeah, I mean, if Sark's talking the game that he's actually preaching about being frustrated in this team's tackling and trying to keep guys in front of you not working, then we got to be tighter to them. So when they catch the ball, they could go down instantly. You know, all this getting juked and guys leaping over other guys, that shit's getting tired, man. And, 
you know, you're beat up during this time of the year. Once you hit week 10, week 11, you know, you're beat up. Guys, they don't want to tackle as much as you did week one because just your body is telling you something that your mind, it ain't, it ain't aligning. You know what I'm saying? Like your body's like, yo, man, if you take one more hit, you might not come in this game. But your mind's saying, yo, I got to make this play. And that's where you see missed tackles. You know, John Brown comes on the show and says, I don't get why guys don't wrap up no more. It is weird. Like, he's right. These guys don't do that. So you got to be as fundamentally sound as possible throughout the rest of these games. And we know, Chip, with how good this defensive line is, like it's not rocket science. Everybody in the nation who faces Texas and watches Texas knows that Trevondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and the rest of that defensive line, there's so much of a problem. you got to avoid them as much as possible So to do that is to attack that passing game. And if the passing game is going to play soft, then they're just going to keep on doing that. Again, thank goodness that Colin Klein, offensive coordinator for Kansas State, realized it as late as he did. Because if they would have just went out there and told little Avery Johnson, oh, man, Avery, yeah, they would have told Avery, yo, boy, you ain't playing this game. This ain't your game. We ain't going to have you get some PTSD from getting blown up by these Texas boys. Let's go. We're going to let Will throw about 50 times Dan Marino style and see what happens and live with the results. But they were like, nah, let's see if we can be more balanced. They tried that. It didn't work. Colin Klein said, you know, damn that. Let's start throwing the ball. They come back down 20 points. Now, Malik Murphy and Jonathan Brooks helped them a lot. But all of these coaches, once they realized that from U of H with Donovan Smith to TCU with Josh Hoover, like they told Josh Hoover, hey, we're going to let you throw it, but you got to get out the pocket. And once he got out the pocket and avoided those linemen, and if you're able to keep your head up the field, which we'll see if Rocco Beck could do that, if you're able to keep your head up the field, there's going to be opportunities for open guys on that Cyclones team, and that scares you because it's very hard to guard guys when they start improvising. When you see guys running a certain route and then the quarterback is just buying so much time, guys reroute and go different ways. Like, guys don't want to cover that long. It's hard to do that. So once those things start happening, which is kind of what we saw with Josh Hoover and TCU last week, that's when the opposing team starts moving the chains. And you got to play tighter and have complementary football all the way around. If we're getting pressure on the quarterback and the safeties have to be tighter to disrupt that, the safeties and the corners have to be tighter so you can get more pressure on the quarterback so nothing's open down the field. Like... Again, this isn't rocket science. Sports can be very simple, uh, specifically football, what we're talking about now. So hopefully the Horns can play a simple game and get out of Ames with a dub. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I want to talk to Zay about uh, CJ Baxter here in a second. Um, but um, great blue hair and furniture. I mean, this is high-end furniture built for a lifetime and beautiful beautiful leather furniture. Go to greatblueheronfurniture.com and check out all the selection, couches, you know, recliners, um, bar stools, and they will help you design exactly what you want, which I think is the coolest thing going. And don't forget to use the promo code HOOKEM. That is the Texas Sports Unfiltered promo code going to save you 15%. So if you've been thinking about, uh, you know, maybe, uh, kind of 
of redecorating a little bit, upgrading the furniture, that's where you go. GreatBlueHeronFurniture.com. And when you're chilling on your Great Blue Heron Furniture, you can check out your brand new big screen from Audio Visual Consultations. Make sure that you're, uh, you know, you have exactly what you want. The, uh, the big screen, I always say, if, if that big screen doesn't make you feel like you're on the sideline of the game, it's not big enough. So get in there. My man, Tom McKay, Audiovisual Consultations. You don't have to go shopping. He will bring you the best. He'll bring you the best price and the best big screen. Surround sound, surveillance, electronic shades, new lighting, you name it. All you got to do is call 255-8678 from the free consultation to installation. Tom and his crew bring everything to you. Um, Zay, I'm hoping... And we're going to be handing out some Olipop to C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue. You know, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, man, I like that Jaden Blue. And Jaden Blue, you know, he's he's done well. In the time that he's been in the games, the guy is averaging 6.6 a carry. And you'll, or 5.8, sorry, 5.8 a carry. And he's, you know, had that long 34-yard touchdown run. And I'm eager to see what both of these guys have tomorrow night because they know, they know, they're, this is their time. And Steve Sarkeesian said it yesterday. He said, I think Jaden Blue's been chomping at the bit for this opportunity because he's had to wait behind Brooks and Baxter. What if we're handing out some Olipop to Jaden Blue after this game? Let's go. Yeah, that'd be a dream, wouldn't it? I mean, the dude, I'd be chomping at the bit too. Like, give me an opportunity. You got a freshman in front of me and Jonathan Brooks, obviously him being up for the Doak Walker Award before he got injured. That was definitely a thing. But, yeah, now it's next man up. Jaden Blue, he's going to show us in a big-time game what he can do. And as much as it is on those guys, it's a lot more on this offensive line. You know, you think about – the stat that I threw out earlier, Texas being 128 and running power success rate, like that is just god-awful. Atrocious. Like, I can't even describe how freaking bad that is. And again, it's not like this offensive line, like they're you know, nominated for the Joe Moore Award, best offensive line, you know, collective in the nation. They're nominated for that for a reason. So it hasn't all been that bad. But if you look at that specific stat, it's pretty shitty. So, yeah, this is a big week for, you know, this offensive line. Again, if you're Kyle Flood, we got to get right. We got to make life easier for C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue. Those A gaps and B gaps, those holes have to be there because we all know Chip and that three high safety defense that they like to throw out there for Iowa State. You got to run the football. You just have to because they're going to be asking for it. And they're a very good 
defense when it comes to stopping the run, but still, you still got to be able to move that rock and to give this passing offense something to work after so that play action could be a factor. So, yeah, Jake Majors, Cole Hudson, DJ Campbell, y'all got to have one of y'all's best games of the year. Y'all got to get back to that nasty. And we saw a little bit of that nasty last week. They were about to fight someone on the TCU defensive line. Like, I like that. I need some of that, especially uh, how Jared Hufford's been talking. Like, there might be a little bit of squabble tomorrow night where the refs have to get involved. Now, let's not go so far where we get a flag and get tossed. No, we don't need that unless if you're toss worthy, like, you know, Jet Bush gets tossed. I ain't tripping. <laughs> hey. You know, I, hey, Jet Bush, I love you, Jet Bush, but he's the type of guy that could get tossed. We don't want, you know, Trevondre Sweat or John A. Barron getting tossed out of the game for a while and out. You could use somebody, you know, just to send them a message for, okay, y'all think that we sweet out here? Y'all think that our shit don't stink? Okay, cool. We going to show y'all what's up. So, yeah, man, I'm going to need a big game from, you know, Hayden Connor, all those guys. They're going to have to play big. Kelvin Banks, Christian Jones, or Christian Jones coming off that injury, and he played last week. He struggled a little bit. A couple of false starts, a couple of holding calls. You don't like that from big Christian Jones, especially at this point of his career being a six-year senior. So if this offensive line can move guys and be nasty consistently for four quarters, 60 minutes, then that's going to be just huge for these running backs. And we talk about Jaden Blue, throw Keelan Robinson in there too. Like Keelan Robinson, here you go. Like it's time for you to step up. We know that you're big when it comes to special teams and stuff, but hey, you weren't brought here from Tuscaloosa just to be a part of the special teams. Like it's time to get busy. Let's give the guy some carries. Let's put the ball in his hands, maybe some wheel route stuff where Quinn Ewers could check down to him and see what he could do when he has space. Like Keelan Robinson, his first year, Sark's five and seven season, like he did some really big things offensively. And then even last year in 2022, he had a touchdown against Oklahoma. And now we just... It's like he's not even thought of when this offense. Like, let's bring number seven back That's in because the because 24-24 was getting it done, baby. I get that. I get that. But there's a lot of times where Sark's gone for it on fourth down and hasn't gotten it. There's been a lot of times where Sark's been on the goal line under five yards and they haven't put the ball in the end zone. And well, Keith that Robinson's little... out there not playing. So let's just see what else you could do. Like you got more guys that could get the job done. Let's give them a chance. That little swing screen, that little look left, throw right. That's Keelan Robinson, baby. Hell yeah. That's, that's where he is money. Get him in space where he's got defenders one-on-one. Um, so yeah, I, I look at this thing and I say, Jaden blue might be the guy to take advantage of this Iowa State 3-3. You know, CJ's a little bit more of a pounder. I know that Sark talked about, oh, that 54-yard, that was on fourth and one. Everybody was up on the line. They creased it, and he went the distance. It was beautiful. It was great. Yeah, he made one guy miss. I'll give him that. Right, he made one guy miss, and it was out the out the gate. It was, it was great. But Jaden Blue... And Jalen Ford even talked about this. He said, Jaden Blue's got speed. Like, once once he gets going, he's a hard guy to track. So, I'm I'm interested. I'm interested to see if, if maybe Jaden Blue 
can crease this defense or, you know, get out on the perimeter where usually you have success against that three, three, five. Um, I want to see it. I want to see what, uh, what 23 has to, to offer. Um, and everybody should want to see what uh, Salt Traders Coastal Cook It is all about, especially when you're getting $5 off every item on the beginnings menu. And that beginnings menu includes the New Orleans barbecue shrimp, the grilled oysters, the chowda fries. Come on. Happy hour every day from 3.30 to 6.30. Just go check it out. You're going to love it. It's going to be your new your new spot. Two locations. You got the Zilker location uh, right down in Austin. And then you've got the Round Rock location up there at Old Settlers. So um, check it out. Happy hour. 3.30 to 6.30. All night happy hour. 3.30 to close on Monday. So make your plans now. For date night, Monday night, keep an eye on Monday Night Football. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking from our man Jack Gilmore. Gave you Jack Allen's Kitchen. Um, You're going to love it. So, Zay, you know who leads the Big 12 in sacks? Which team? Um, That's right, the Texas Longhorns. You know who's given up the fewest sacks? In the Big 12? Iowa State. Iowa State. Iowa State. They've given up nine sacks all season. Texas has given up 18 sacks. But Texas has 26 sacks, and that leads the Big 12 just ahead of Kansas at 24. Um, Iowa State, meanwhile, only has 17. Uh, Iowa State has had a a guy in their front who has scared me each of the last three years. Will McDonald is not there anymore and they're solid, but they don't have anyone that screams, Oh, you got to account for this guy. They're you, you've been talking about the guy that Fryler is, is the guy, Bo Fryler, their middle safety is the guy that, kind of is the heart heartbeat of that defense. And I'm just saying, Texas, you got to change. You got to change this. Iowa State's not giving up sacks. You got to change this. You And if you're not getting sacks, you got to be getting hits on the quarterback. You got to be moving this guy off his spot because Texas has done a really good job of keeping quarterbacks from getting comfortable until – the second half. Mm-hmm. So in this one, take care of business, change things around. And for Texas, you know, the offensive line's done a good job in pass protection and they have to do a good job now. I mean, it's not just about moving the football. Now it's about protecting your quarterback, making sure he gets through all four quarters of this game and doesn't get, you know, like hit like he did in the OU game when the pressure came right up the middle. Yeah. And again, Olipop to Jake Majors playing on that high ankle sprain. Everyone's forgotten about it, but he, because he's been gutting it out and pass protecting and doing what he's got to do. 
that dude has been a stalwart at center for Texas playing on that ankle. So it's, it's, it's a game you heard Alex say, this is a game Texas should win both lines of scrimmage. That means win. That means win. Yeah. So avoid the turnover, which Quinn, his experience against this defense is invaluable. Yeah, and the thing that's synonymous with each other is the fact that Rocco Beck, he doesn't get sacked and because he gets the ball out of his hands quick and he makes plays with his legs. Like the dude, you know, Alec talked about them kind of being nervous about him running a lot, which is going to be interesting to see if they use him in some design run situations because when they do, Iowa State's offense looks a lot better when you see Rocco Beck in option situations or RPO situations and he decides to keep the ball, are they going to test that against Texas just to keep the horns on their toes and maybe open up some things down the field with Higgins and Noel? We'll see that tomorrow. But, yeah, I'm right there with you. You know, this defensive line, they got to get them down as much as possible, whether that's some twist and stunt type stuff, whether they use Morris Blackwell in situations to blitz or Anthony Hill or Jade Baird. Hell, even Jalen Gilbo, you know, I heard Sark talking yesterday in his Pluckers interview and he talked about, you know, Jalen Gilbo getting back healthy has been huge and it's kind of taken a minute for him to be completely comfortable with himself. And that's why we've seen number three back there a little bit more and it allows Jade Barron and some of the other guys to get a breather every now and then. So, yeah, I mean, you got to put some pressure on this Iowa State team because, you know, even though they're going to try to run a little bit, I mean, they have to. They can't completely just, you know, go AWOL and not run the ball. But even though you know that that's probably going to be very limited and Michael Beck is going to get those attempts in, you got to get the pressure in there and you can't be afraid to blitz, you know, at different times just to give a freshman quarterback different looks in a really big game with a lot of implications, not only for Texas, but Iowa State. Like, they know that if they win this game, that puts them in the driver's seat to go to Jerry World. Like, they know that. So, you know, talk about emotion. Like, Jared Huffer, like, yeah, they're going to be fired up to play, but it's also going to be senior night. Like, there's going to be a lot of emotion going on when you play this Texas team that Matt Campbell's going to have to deal with internally. So, can they deal with that along with all the talent that Texas has thrown at them? We'll see tomorrow because that's a big test for a team that, you know, lost to Ohio earlier in the season and just just now starting to play some good football. I think they have their work cut out from them. And again, as confident as Jared Huffer sounds, Hey, you still got to play football. Everything is between the line of scrimmage, between the trenches, and it's a physical game. So put your money where your mouth is, put up or shut up, and let's get it popping. This is for the Big 12 championship. Right? This is for the Big 12 championship because if Texas loses and ends up in this swamp of a tiebreaker with all these two-loss teams, good Lord. And then the Big 12 tries to clarify the – tiebreaker rule about head-to-head matters most but not everybody's played each other like Oklahoma and K-State haven't played each other you cannot lose head-to-head tiebreakers and 
Texas has just got to control their own fate here. They've got to win, period. And and then they'll have to do it again on a short week against old Joey McGuire and Brett Yormark. But first things first. First things first. Tomorrow night in Ames. Um, all right, Zay. We should uh, we should probably get to um, the chip shot in our picks. Let's go. You got some. You got some. You got some picks. Yeah, man. I'm ready. Oh, you are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I knew this was coming. Let's get it. You uh. You want to do picks first, or you want to do? No, let's get chip shot first. All right. <clears throat> All right. So here it is. You got. You got the experienced leadership. You got Quinn Ewers, a quarterback. He may be 75%. But this kid is a warrior. We've seen it from his days at South Lake Carroll. We've seen it with him coming back off the sternoclavicular sprain last year when he lit up Oklahoma. Um, he came through when he had to against TCU, third and 12, 35-yard deep route. And he... Nailed it. Quinn Ewers has shown you he has what it takes to win this thing. And I talked to people this week, you know, about all the hum hubbub about his future. And one of the sources close to Ewers said the only thing he's focused on right now is helping this team win a championship. That is important to Quinn Ewers. He wants to be in the same breath with quarterbacks who've won a Big 12 championship, a conference championship. And I love that. I love that. I love that it's not about stats or biding time to get to the NFL. It's about winning a championship. And tomorrow night, that championship is on the line. And the offensive line has a big responsibility in protecting him. And these running backs, the young guns, CJ Baxter, Jaden Blue, and the savvy veteran, Keelan Robinson, and the rage machine, Savion Savage Red. He's, you know, whatever, whatever he's called to do, he's going to give you everything he's got, maybe even a little too much. Uh, on the sideline at times, but this is, this is a game where Texas has a quarterback who wants to win a championship. I think he's got receivers who are playing like that. We saw Xavier worthy diving into piles to recover a fumble. We saw Jordan Whittington running 40 yards down the field to force a fumble after an interception. AD Mitchell's been making big catches. This is a game where Texas just needs to go out and do their thing because they've got experienced leadership. And that's just the offensive side of the ball. You got two interior defensive tackles who are going to be high picks in the NFL. You got a middle linebacker in Jalen Ford who knows what he's looking at. Johnny Barron's the best nickel corner in the Big 12. And Ryan Watts is 
is a lot to deal with as the boundary corner. That's an and if special teams does what it does, Bird Auburn could be a Bird Auburn game. Ryan Sanborn, you got to get your mojo back. But this is a game where Texas just needs to play their game with their experienced leadership and stay aggressive. And that's that means you, Pete Kwiatkowski. For Sark, be smart. Be smart. Take the points. Don't, don't mess. Take the points. Because it might be a 15-12 game. We saw that Kansas-Iowa State game two years ago, 14-11. Look, sometimes you get dragged into Iowa State's pace. They want to slow you down. They want to limit possessions. And Texas should be able to win that way too. So this is a game where your experienced leadership should win it for you. They're playing with a freshman quarterback who's talented and, you know, freshman running backs, Abu Sama. He's on film. He looks pretty good. So your experienced leadership, you've been in this fire. You've had close games. You went to Alabama. Experienced leadership should get this done. Say. Yeah, ironically, not for Texas fans' sake, but you talk about Rocco Beck as a freshman. He reminds you a lot of Brock Purdy when Brock Purdy was a freshman in Ames, just trying to get his feet wet. And, you know, he'll show you some ups and show you some downs. But at the end of the day, the boy ain't scared. And you got to put some fear in that dude's heart. You got to let him know, hey, you're going to be in the dogfight all night long. This ain't going to be easy. You know, this ain't going to be no walk in the park. You know, it's going to be real. And Javondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, those guys definitely have to lead the way. And in the secondary, you talked about Ryan Watts, you talk about John A. Barron, like those guys, they got to make it known that this is going to be a tough day for that Iowa State offense. And if they do that, I like the Horns' chances, man. And Steve Sarkeesian, you're right. He has to play smart. You know, he has to read the game. He has to understand that, hey, if we pick up nine yards on the ground, let's run it again. Like, let's see if they can stop it. Let's try not to get cute. I love Jonte Cook, too. I think he's going to be a terrific Longhorn and have a good tenure here at Texas. But last week, that screen pass that you gave him, that wasn't his time. That wasn't his time. It ain't his fault. The play was called. Everybody wants the ball. But, Sark, it's your job to put these guys in the right situation. And if you do that consistently in this game, then the Horns have a big chance. If Sark gets cute and the play calling, you know, ain't working and you're not adjusting to Iowa State's adjustments, then this could be a long, just drawn-out game. And you mentioned, Chip, that this Iowa State team, they want to dink and dunk their way up the field and control game clock and control control the ball. You can't let that happen. And by not letting that happen, you got to force some turnover somewhere. Mookie Taft's done a good job getting interceptions. You saw Terrence Brooks get the pick last week. That was huge. That led to points. Let's see what Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell in this defensive line could do by poking the ball out if Rocco Beck gets too lackadaisical with it. And again, if the Horns do that, I like their chances. But they got to turn over the ball. Ryan Sanborn, Burt Auburn, the kick return team. Xavier Wordy, if he could get some good yardage with his feet on punt returns, then that's going to be huge too. Anything to help, you know, kind of 
<laughs> get rid of what Jonathan Brooks brought to the table because, again, what he brought to the table, I don't think you're ever going to get back, but this team has a lot of guys that you could go to, a lot of weapons that I'm confident in. Let's see if Sark gives those guys a chance. Yeah. For sure. For sure. All right. Um, let's get let's get to the right call, baby. All right, man. Yeah, the right call. Let's just have it be the picks today. But before we get to the right call, let me shout out Covert BK, the Covert Auto Group, family-owned auto group for over a hundred years, and they've been providing Austin people with just a high-quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. The customer satisfaction is terrific. The service is outstanding, and they want to get you out of that bucket, that hoop just that clunker that you're driving around it's all beat up and paints chipped off of it and just the check engine lights always on y'all get rid of that go to covert bk and get hooked up it's almost christmas time thanksgiving's next week what are you waiting on seven terrific brands gmc cadillac chrysler jeep dodge ram buick you will get hooked up at covert b cave so go to covertbcave.com and get all the latest specials and inventory nobody beats a covert deal not now not ever all right ship picks this week going straight to the nfl with it kansas city chiefs minus two and a half i like the eagles take the eagles plus the points Plus the points, man. I like Philly. I think Philly's going to be able to go in Kansas City and get it done and get the win. Is Taylor Swift coming? I don't know. If she is, I might change my mind. I don't think she is because I think she's on tour herself. I like the Eagles in that spot. Another game, Minnesota Vikings at the Denver Broncos. Denver minus two and a half. Give me Joshua Dobbs, baby. He's getting more and more comfortable. The Vikings are rolling. Justin Jefferson, he should be back in the lineup any day now. I like what the Vikings are doing right now. If the playoffs started, the Vikings would be the seventh seed. So, yeah, what they're doing without Kirk Cousins is big. Joshua Dobbs getting it done. I take the points. Minnesota Vikings. And then for the last game, Arizona Cardinals at the Texans. Texans minus six. That's high. Kyler Murray's back. He's back in Texas, too. That's a little high for me. I don't know if the Cardinals were going to win that game, but I'm going to take the Texans. Or, excuse me, I'm going to take the Cardinals with the points. I think six is high. I think D'Amico Ryan's, everybody's on the Texans high horse now. D'Amico Ryan's going to have to bring those guys back down to life. And Kyler Murray is fresh. He's ready to go. He's ready to prove that he should not be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And, yeah, I got the Cardinals in that game. Okay. All right. Philly plus two and a half. Minnesota plus two and a half. Arizona plus six. Um, I am going to, um, I'm going to stay in the college game and I like Texas to win, but the seven and a half, I think is a little high. So I'm going to take, uh, Iowa state plus seven and a half, uh, Arizona state getting 23 and a half at home against Oregon. I think this is a little flat spot for Oregon right here. 
Um, actually, they're getting 24 and a half. So I'm going to take Arizona State plus 24 and a half. And I think that BYU is going to be uh, plenty pissed off after getting embarrassed by Iowa State in Provo. And they will stay within 24 of OU. So BYU plus 24. Even with Radcliffe or... Ragloff, whatever the hell their backup is. Oh yeah, is uh, is Slovis not back? I don't know. That's risky. You might want to switch that up because yeah, I might need to. Uh, I saw I'm... old boy last week against Iowa State. I know their yeah. defense is good and all, but man, be careful. Yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. You know what? Let me uh, give me the uh, give me the Red Raiders against Central Florida, Texas Tech in Lubbock, minus two and a half. I think the Red Raiders will handle business against Central Florida after Central Florida had their Super Bowl last weekend in the rain over Oklahoma State. Mm. Look, at, look, look who's here. Look, look who's here. There he is. The man. BK. What's up, boys? How you doing? What's up, dog? Good. You got to remember that Texas Tech is playing its Super Bowl next Friday. You're not worried about uh, an overlooked spot in Lubbock this weekend? Yeah, I'm kind of worried about that. <laughs> but <laughs> Baron Morton, I think he's playing some good football. Yeah, I mean, Tech's got to win because this is their chance to get to a bowl game because they ain't winning here next week. I tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Central Florida playing in uh, Lubbock. That's a whole new experience for them. Yo, you saw Gus holding up the jersey after that win against Oklahoma State. He was hype. He's got those guys rolling. Oh yeah. Are they gonna be wearing? This is a quasi night game. It's four o'clock. Hmm. It'll finish at night. Yeah. yeah. That helps the Red Raiders. And as Texas fans say, weird things happen in insert Big 12 city at night. <laughs> I heard that about Waco this year. I heard that about uh, Fort Worth. I'm hearing that about Ames. I think it's more to do with Texas has just been asked for 12 years. So bad things have happened to Texas a lot. That's, I think that's more yeah. what the expression is or should and be. They are not ass this year. They're and not. Even with Jonathan Brooks going down, this should be a game that Texas handles their business. Yeah, I'm with you. What time are you getting to the airport today? Well, I'm gonna if you're if you're tapping me and telling me to head to the head to the dugout, I will Jump in the car and head to the airport. Hmm. Yeah, get out uh, of here, man. Have a safe trip. Your last time in Ames for a very long while. Live it up. Yeah, can I get <laughs> you all anything? Um, nah, I can get my corn on the cob here. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say, too. Like, they got corn up there, but I feel like we got corn down here. So, I think I'm okay. I love this. Uh, oh, man, CB. 
Remember, it's going to be dark Saturday night. Oh, you got your night vision goggles packed just so you yeah. can see? Yeah. Okay. Jared, they're coming to the dark. Yeah. Well, you don't have lights at Jack Trice? That guy would try to eat him. He's so big. Tell you what. All right, fellas. Appreciate y'all. You're the man. Let's do it again on uh, on Wait. Monday. Hey, Chip, before you leave, what's the score you got for tomorrow night? Texas 23-21. Oh, man. Okay. Bird Auburn. Big Bird Auburn. Field goal to win the game. Texas wow. down 2021. May, may not be last minute, but they're going to need every bit of Bird Auburn tomorrow night. Because yeah, Iowa that. State's defense, for whatever reason, has been really good mm-hmm. in the red zones, right behind Texas. So if Texas you. does what it's supposed to do, I'll probably be wrong. And they'll win by 10. Mm-hmm. It might I mean, be pitch black up there, but you'll still be able to see Bert Auburn's hair. I can tell you that. <laughs> Bert, baby. Come on. Let's go. 23-21. I like it. Both of these kickers have hit 11 in a row. Damn. Who's their guy? Their guy is. who? What former NFL player's kid is kicking for them? Yeah. Their guy... No, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot here. Jace Gilbert. Okay. Jace Gilbert. Yes, sir. Here, does he have a uh, weird hair too, like a mohawk or something? No, he looks like a nerd. Uh, well, most kickers do. Yeah, he's hit from 56 and 51 this year. Okay. He hit from, he hit from 51 and 46 in the win over Oklahoma State. Damn. So he's he's legit. And their punter, Tyler Perkins, is averaging 44.7. So special teams-wise, this is pretty fair fight. And Jalen Knowles, dangerous in the return game. Yeah. So, he's just dangerous, period. I, he's their X factor for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with it. I heard y'all talking about uh, Ryan Sandboard and struggles a little bit earlier. So you hope you don't need him too much, but uh, when you do need him, hopefully he can figure it out a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. hold the ball, Sandboard. Come on, hold Romo. The hold the damn ball, dude. <laughs> it's bad. God. Going Lucy with Charlie Brown on it. That's not a good look. That's not a good look. That is not a good look. I was getting flashbacks to the bot mitzvah I was at when Romo botched the snap against Seattle in that playoff game. I remember exactly where I was at that moment, man. I, I had that happen to me last week, and I, I didn't want to relive that ever again. Yeah, it's a tough time. Shiny ball. Mm, shiny you, need, ball. you need a ball that's been kicked around and scuffed up a little bit. Yeah. I'm good. Either way, catch the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. For God's sake. All right, fellas. All right, Chip. Safe travels, my guy. Let's talk. uh, Let's do it again Monday. Yes, sir. Be safe, man. All right. Hey, I don't want to. uh, I don't want to rob you of an opportunity to to give a right call today. I heard you just say you were going to make it your picks, but if you've got something on your chest, you want to uh, say to people, go, go, go ahead. Yeah, let's throw it at you. This is a rare appearance. You and I on like this, and you being the part of the right call. So yeah, let's get it, man. One story that's 
caught my eye. That's been absolutely terrific and very messy. You know my style, BK. You know me long enough. That's how I get down. Kelly Oubre, have you heard this story with the 76ers forward? No. So the dude was in a hit-and-run situation. He was on his bike roaming the streets of Philly, and he says that he got hit by a car somewhere, again, streets of Philly. The car took off. Kelly Oubre ended up with a broken rib and other multiple injuries. So the police, Philadelphia PD, did what they were supposed to do, looked into it. They looked at the surveillance at the place where Kelly said he got injured. And apparently they can't find no film on Kelly getting hit. What? So it's getting a little sketchy, man. Like it reminds me of my man from Empire Lion, Jesse Smollett, whatever the hell his name was, (laughs) when they hired some people to rob him and lied about it. Yeah, Kelly Oubre, who was playing some good basketball for the 76ers. Like, yeah, without James Harden, they've done a good job. Embiid, he looks like he's back to MVP form. And Tyrese Maxey looks like the man there. But, yeah, Kelly Oubre Jr., they cannot find the film that he's talking about. And people are trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because this is his first year in Philly. So they're yeah. like, oh, this dude doesn't know where he was at. And he doesn't know where Philly is. And he might have got a concussion from it. Yada, yada, yada. George Costanza. But I, I think he's bullshitting. I really do. I think he was in some shit that he shouldn't have been in that goes against his contract. And he didn't want to get in trouble about it. And now he's telling a bold-faced lie. So more is going to come out. Nick Nurse, the new coach in Philly that took over for Doc Rivers that came from Toronto, he talked about he's going to back his player, which he should. I mean, innocent until proven guilty. But, yeah, he also, Kelly Oubre, his ring at his home, his ring camera just got sent out to TMZ, which I don't know how that works. Because, again, Kelly, this is your place. So you should be in charge of your ring camera footage. But hmm. you could go find that on TMZ. And he, once he opens the door, you can hear him saying, I got hit. I got hit. I'm hurt. This and that. And I think his kinfolk and mama was at the place. They're like, oh, no, Kelly, what happened? This and that. It's real dramatic. But... <laughs> Yeah, man, show me the evidence. If there ain't no film on it, then Kelly, you got some explaining to do, bruh, because, wow. yeah, a source familiar with the situation said Ubre may not have provided an accurate amount of where the crash allegedly occurred. So, okay, so he definitely broke his rib, right? That part is true? Yeah, that part is true. He has a okay. broken rib. He's going to be out for foreseeable future okay so he got injured doing something but the question is what was he doing and he's claiming that he got hit while he was riding his bike but there's no video evidence of him actually getting hit while he was riding a bike yo kelly just let us know that you're into some bdsm shit and old girl got a little (laughs) too rough with you just keep it real i respect that you know what i'm saying ain't nothing wrong with that if he just went out and said yo I'm into some nasty shit. I was with a 250-pound woman that got a little aggressive, and, you know, she flopped on me a little bit too hard. I'm a skinny brother. What You know, it happens. It happens. 
You can't what? admit that, though. Come on. <laughs> you might let him off the hook, but you know the internet's not letting him off the hook if he's telling everybody that. Hey, man, Philly's a tough place. Like, that's a, you know, those Eagle oh. fans, Phillies fans, Sixers fans, all that's those why, That's why I might believe him. Like, if Ubre had a bad night the game before, I could easily see someone being like, oh, shit, you were two for 12 the other day? Well, how's this? Boom. And then I'm out. Like, that's what could happen in Philly. Somewhere else, I'd be a little more skeptical of this. But in Philadelphia, like you said, anything can go down there. That's true, man. That's true. Mm. So, you know you know what the internet says about Kelly Oubre, too? And I'll, I'll say it, too. He's a good-looking dude. Pretty guy. Yeah. Pretty brother. Yeah. He's a Kansas Jayhawk. So I got yeah. his bag always. But that's the thing. That's why he can't be like, yeah, I'm into some, you know, my 600-pound live women or something like that, you know? If he says something like that, then it's it's a problem. Yo, People, he, look, man, if you win the big women, that's fine. We uh -huh. accept 2023. We accept that. That's that's 90s shit where Tyra <laughs> Banks was out here embarrassing girls because they didn't meet the you know weight limit of America's next top model. Like that's that's in the past. We embrace the big women now. I mean, Lizzo probably fucked that up for the big women, but still, <laughs> as, we, we still embrace it. You know, you have to take pride in that. You, Jason Kelsey, he's nominated for a Sexiest Man of the Year award for yeah. people. Come on hey, now. We're, we're changing our thought process on what we expect from people. And if Jason Kelsey could be with his big bone self, if he could be sexiest man alive, the Kelly Oubre, it's okay to say I'm into some nasty physical stuff with some bigger women, two times bigger than me. That's all right, because you're going to allow other folks out there to feel comfortable with themselves. Influencing, DK, you've heard of that. That's yeah. what that is. He could be an influencer. It just, it went wrong. Now Kelly knows what not to do in the bedroom. You feel mm -hmm. me? You're saying uh, Kelly Oubre and Jason Kelly are an, uh, Kelsey are an item now. Am I hearing that right? <laughs> I'm not following this. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> big people hey. are getting to thrive in today's society. That's hey. what I'm saying. Big girls need loving too. And it's, it's cold out there and it's getting colder which means it's big women weather all right saying come on you know you probably ain't more than a buck 50 but you know a big women can hold you down hey. more than just what everybody thinks what i mean by holding down means like <laughs> big women's got you she uh. can cook you know what i'm saying in the bedroom she know what she doing she usually got her head on the shoulders. You know, everything works with a big woman. I'm I, putting y'all on game out there. Y'all listen to us on Texas Sports Unfiltered. They call you out here putting y'all on game. Embrace it. Cherish she, it. She can cook, but is there going to be any food left for you? That's the question. <laughs> no, you got to get enough. You got to make, sure <laughs> make sure it's enough. You know what I'm saying? And if y'all get separate orders, there's going to be a huge, you know, chance that she going to, Take a little bit off your plate. But it comes mm. with it. You got to take the pros and the cons. It comes with it. Man. Yo, how about this? You talk about another Jayhawk of yours that you support. Brady Dick uh -oh. up there at Toronto. Well, you know what they're do? announcing for this dude on, you know, when they announce the starting lineups and stuff? Wearing number one, Big Dick Energy. What? They're saying that in Toronto. He's got the big dick energy. Grady Dick. That's awesome. Isn't that dope? Yeah. 
Like, I hated him last year for obvious reasons. Like, the dude was a problem, but and he went against the horns. But now that he's off in the association, I love that guy. Mr. Uh, Big Dick Energy. He just said that on the PA? Yeah. Yes. Good. Legendary, man. Toronto people, they know what's good. I always hear great things about that city and how it's the cleaner New York. And they just got, you know, Drake just dropped the deluxe part of his album today. So, yeah, Toronto people, they know what's up. They need to give their credit, you know. But Score one, score one for Canada. Hey, speaking of Toronto, I just saw this. What do you think of these uh, this new logo, this new court for the Raptors? They're doing all of these play-in tournament courts across the association, and I guess Toronto's debuting its new one tonight. What do you think of this? I don't get these courts, man. Dude, I don't They're very them. odd. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I do like the in-season tournament. We're getting some pretty good basketball. Like, it's – I didn't know how I would feel about it because, you know, we all hate change. And what are they going to – what are they doing to my precious NBA? But, yeah, the courts are the worst part about it. Like, the courts don't make any sense. You know, the two different colors, but they're kind of the same color is weird. Yeah. Like, it's weird. The best one I've seen is the Lakers because that middle part that you're seeing there – for L.A., the whole, most of it's the L.A. gold, but then it goes black because the Lakers wear a black jersey now, you know, for their um, in-season tournament games. But, yeah, this Atlanta Hawks court right here just doesn't make any sense. Like, are they paying homage to the Pete Maravich days, you know, where he wore those colors? I don't know. It's just very odd. Here's Cleveland's. These are the four that are debuting tonight. I guess these are the last four that people haven't seen yet. So this is the Cavs one. At least yeah. this one is like close to the color of an actual basketball court. Cause that's, what's been tripping me out. Like it almost feels like it's a virtual reality or a video game or something. Just watch these players who put on like a blue or a red court. Like I just, I haven't gotten used to it at all. Like this one, it, this one's one of my favorites, even though it's kind of lame and boring and the land is a stupid nickname. For Cleveland, uh, this one actually like looks like the color of a basketball court, so this will be the most normal for me. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it is trippy. You know, the NBA they're trying to make this in season tournament as fun as possible so they could get more clicks and eyes on it. But what is this? does this say Crips across? Is this the Crip? It is LA. LA Crips. LA Crips. <laughs> What is this? Oh, man. Yeah, just the Clips court. The Clippers, God. man. Which, shout out to Russell Westbrook, man. He told Tyron Lue, hey, I'm willing to come off the bench because this James Harden shit ain't working right now. And yeah. Ty Lue, it shouldn't have came to this point. Like, Ty Lue should have realized right when James Harden got traded, ain't no way you could start James Harden and Russell Westbrook in the same game at this point of their careers with Kawhi and Paul George, it's just not going to work. And Ty Lue wants to be the cool coach and the players coach and the one that everybody loves. And nah, man, you haven't won the game since James Harden's got there. So Russell Westbrook being the bigger man says, yo, I can't deal with this losing shit. Y'all are going to ruin my career. I'll come off the bench and we'll see what happens with James Harden starting for who knows when, but yeah, that's a big move on Russell Westbrook that I don't think he could have done 10 years ago, especially during those OKC days where he didn't even know if 
who the best player was on those teams. Is it Durant or is it him? Like, it's yeah. obviously Durant, so swallow your pride and give 35 the ball. He'd probably still be there in Oklahoma City if you would have done that. I don't even know what the Clippers do at this point, man. Like, you would think a team centered around Kawhi Leonard and Paul George could find a way to compete for championships, but uh, they're trying all sorts of shit, and they're getting further and further away, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you always got to worry about Kawhi's health, you know, in the 82-game season, just all the injuries from tearing his ACL a year ago, the Zaza you know, thing that happened, like Kawhi has been in and out of the tub, as Bucky Gobble would say. But, yeah, I don't know where you go either. I thought that the 76ers won that trade by getting rid of James Harden, and you've seen that with their play, with Tyrese Maxey, the emergence of him. He had a 50-point game a few nights ago. So that dude, he's a star coming out of your parts of Dallas, Texas. And... Now the Clippers just have all those old guys that are out there hunting, hunting for a ring. And it, it doesn't match, like, with the style that they want to play. It James Harden, him having the ball in his hands all the time, it doesn't match with what Kawhi and Paul George do well. And once if they get to the playoffs, it's really going to get exposed. But I think they're going to be a playing team, and they're going to be trying to figure out things the whole year. And it's unfortunate because I do like James Harden. I do. A lot of people say what you want about him. I know he could be a prima donna guy, but, hey, I'm a savant when it comes to the game. And the way that he played during those Mike D'Antoni days at Houston, that was fun to watch. It's just he could be a head case. The dude dated a Kardashian. That says a lot about you. When you yeah. date a Kardashian, that says a lot about you. you know? You're being you're being nice if you're saying he can be a head case and he's been a <laughs> prima donna. Dude, he's the biggest prima donna in the history of the NBA. And there have been some prima donnas in the history of the NBA. Yeah, like, is, you, you got him over Ron Artest? Yeah, I do, man. Damn! Yeah, just the, the, like Ron Artest was never able to get a whole organization to cater to his schedule like James Harden was able to do in Houston. Like some of the stories that I found from working down there for a couple of years, and a lot of them went public too. There was that long form article that I think ESPN posted right after he was traded out of Houston that just basically said how, yeah, the, the Rockets franchise basically tailored everything they did to James Harden's once. And then the fact that that guy can just request a trade whenever he wants. He puts on fat suits whenever he wants to get traded. <laughs> then he takes them off. All the people he's dated, all the strip club stories, like all the shit, him going to China and calling out Maury this offseason. Like there have been there have been some head cases and prima donnas in the NBA, but I, I don't think anybody has done it like James Harden has done it, man. And 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 he's been successful at it too. Like some guys have tried, and then it's like, dude, F you, you're not good enough. We're getting rid of you. We don't care. But James Harden gets chance after chance after chance because obviously he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best scorers this game has ever seen. And I respect his game. There's no doubt about it. But, man, for me, he is uh, he's the biggest prima donna in the, in the history of this sport. Yeah, and it's interesting because he didn't come in the league like that. It seemed like during those early years at Oklahoma City, he was a pretty humble guy. And, you know, being the sixth man of the year, like when you're the sixth man of the year, you should understand that your whole team and organization is important. You know, yeah. like you came off the bench. And you were very successful. So to go the way that he's gone about things just throughout his whole career in the association, it's, it is very troubling. And it's definitely tainted 
the good things that he's done. Because if we just look at straight basketball, just hoops, like he's one of the greatest offensive players that we've ever seen. Like no, yeah. play, no other player has three scoring titles and two assist titles. Nobody's done that ever. Yeah. Like that is absolutely gifted. So yeah, to taint his reputation the way that he's done is very unfortunate. I'd like to hear some of them stories that you heard in the H because mm. there's some things that I don't know that I'm sure you do, you know, with working there those years that you did because James Harden, that dude, he's an L.A. dude for sure. He knows how to yeah. have fun. Like, yeah. Talking about oh, yeah. Clubs and living life large. Like, that dude knows how to have fun. And, again, that's a part of his Achilles heel. But – yeah, that guy, it ain't going to work in L.A. No. It ain't. It ain't. No. I wonder if he goes Antonio Brown, like, whenever he's done and he just rips off his jersey in the middle of a game and just walks off the floor. Like, I could I could almost see him doing something like that when he's ready to call it quits. Well, at least you give Antonio Brown the benefit of the doubt because if it wasn't for, what, Burfitt? Knocking yep. his block off, everybody thinks about that hit and why he went so crazy and dealing with – CTE issues and stuff. There's nothing to joke about with it. But with Antonio Brown, I feel like it's easy to joke about. Yeah. Yeah. That I think you can joke about it, man. Like it, it sucks, but you know, it's it's funny also. Yeah. It sucks. Well, since he started rapping, the funniest thing I've seen on Twitter, somebody calls him notorious CTE. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the notorious CTE man. Wow. Which, yo, that song was one of the best songs of the summer. Put that shit on with the dance and stuff. He had everybody doing that. He did. Like, that he was did. a good. That was a good jump start for his rap career. I haven't heard of him since, but yeah, Antonio Brown. He's a one hit wonder. One hit wonder. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, Trey's going to be joining us here in a few minutes. He's wrapping up an interview. So we'll get uh, Trey and BK. And then I think Trey and Kevin are going to be rolling from three to four this afternoon. So keep it locked in on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Um, we're talking about L.A. I'm sure you saw Snoop Dogg's tweet the other day, yeah? No, what are you talking about? The statement he released? Mm-mm. You didn't see this? No. Yeah, this thing's been... Retweeted 118,000 times, liked 625,000 times. Oh, shit. I felt like it was an April Fool's joke, but it's November, so that can't be true. He released a statement saying, After much consideration and conversation with my family, I've decided to give up smoke. Please respect my privacy at this time. And it's from the real Snoop Dogg Twitter account. Like that. I also checked that, you know, is there a blue check there? Is this an imposter? What's going on here? Now, the real Snoop Dogg account. And he, yeah, tweeted that out a couple of days ago. And that's, let me tell you, when you log on to Twitter slash X, you never know what you're going to get. But I, I never in a million years thought I'd see anything close to this from Snoop Dogg. Yeah, man, that kind of worries me a little bit because for him to do that, that means there must be some health concerns about yeah. the situation and you see snoop like the dude's a twig you know the dude probably 130 pounds soaking wet it looks like and he's do you not get the five. munchies man every time i get high all i do is eat like that's what not- i'm saying the dude's metabolism is crazy but <sighs> and that's right he's probably on as steven says he's probably on the gummies now you know other than just smoking the chronic out of a bleasy, but wow. Yeah, I heard Willie Nelson, he doesn't smoke 
anymore, but Willie's like what almost 90. Snoop barely over his 50s. So yeah, I, he'll relapse. <laughs> he'll relapse. Um yeah. he'll, you know, get the urge, which he he might not. He's rich, so he'll find a void to fill that, hopefully. Yeah. But, one of one yeah. of two things I think could be at play here, right? Number one. Uh, it's something lung related, right? Like just the, yeah. you know, obviously weed doesn't do anything to you health wise, but um, you know, the, the act of smoking as much as Snoop Dogg has smoked over the years could have some toll on the lung. So maybe it has something to do with that. Or this is just a genius marketing ploy by one of the best businessmen in the history of businessmen. Maybe he's about to release like a new line of gummies or edibles or something like that. To where it's just like, ah, but I'm not giving these up. I said I'm giving up smoke, but I'm not yeah. giving these up. Y'all better try the new, you know, Snoop Dogg, Martha Stewart munchies here. Yeah. You know, something like that. So people would buy the shit out of that, of course. I'd, I'd be on the first flight to L.A. to try to buy some of those and hit up Ricky Williams and see if I can get some of his stuff, too, and then come back. But that's uh, it could be one of those right there, yeah? Yeah, yeah, probably, you know, with Snoop, he needs to start acting again. That's what that's where Snoop showed, you know, the range. Talk about range now. You mentioned Martha Stewart. Some of Snoop Dogg's acting chops in his films, horrible films, but Snoop's kind of showed his ass. Have you seen Bones? Where he was the vampire or the ghost? He was like no. an old, he was he's like an old pimp in the 70s, and they kill him. But he comes back and haunts everybody that scorned him throughout his whole life. So, yeah, it's a great movie. Well, it's not a great movie. I wouldn't recommend it, but I would just because it's one of those you have to see once. And, yeah, they'll show it a lot during Halloween. But, yeah, The Wash, him and Dr. Dre, where it was like a remake of Richard Pryor and the Car Wash movie. That's a classic. He was the villain in Baby Boy with Tyrese. Where I don't know if you've seen that meme where he like rolls the window down very slowly and it's him and his perm and he's mugging. Yeah. Like that's where that one's from. That's a classic. Like, yeah, man, we need Snoop. We need Snoop back in Hollywood. I need, a, I need a list of these movies. I don't think I've seen any of those. Yo, Bones, you would love and hate Bones at the same time. It's a must watch. Look it up. Say less. You can pull up like a little trailer right now, but that shit is priceless and he's like wearing a black trench coat and like a suit and a vest underneath and he has his hair straight and he's wearing like he's wearing like a fedora like hat it's it's a it's a cool look just a horrible premise and horrible movie god Uh, yeah i didn't i didn't know he could make his hair straight but i guess that makes sense i gotta check that one out CB says, did Clarissa Thompson report Snoop? <laughs> Yo, why have they been getting after Clarissa? What happened? What'd she do? She, uh, I think she was on Pardon My Take with the Barstool guys either earlier this week or last. And she was talking about how she had made up some sideline reports when she was doing sideline reporting. She was like, sometimes, you know, the coaches didn't get to me, right? They were supposed to meet with me and they just didn't show up or they showed up late. So I didn't get to talk to them, so I would just kind of make something up. That's that's oh. what she said, and people kind of lost their mind. 
And she actually released a statement earlier today. It was long. It was more than like two words, so I wasn't going to read all that shit. Uh, But she basically said, like, that's not what I meant. Didn't mean to disrespect the profession. I'm not making stuff up. Like, whatever. Uh, But, yeah, no, that's why why people are uh, in Carissa Thompson's business. It has nothing to do with that video of hers that was released a few years ago. Yo, Mm. Jay Williams. Man. Come on, Jay. Jay Williams a freak, boy. I, when I saw that, I didn't think anything of Clarissa. I was like, oh, Clarissa, I feel bad for her. I hope she lands on her feet and stuff. Obviously, it's great to look at, but she was with former Duke, now ESPN analyst Jay Williams at the time, and I want to say those were intended for him. That boy a freak. Yeah. Boy, yeah. Yeah. Makes me want to get into a motorcycle accident. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's going to leave me to all of that. Hold on now. Oh, what a dumbass, man. Uh, what a bad move. He was the best point guard coming out of, what, that 2002 draft? And, yeah, you get a little bit of money. And those contract restrictions, they say what you can can't do. And that dude said, nah, nah, I got to get on this bike. And, completely ruined his career he would have been good too oh yeah like he he, he would have been good like he would have had a long career i don't know if he would have been a perennial all-star but it looked like that that's how it was gonna go i mean those duke teams with duhan and battier and dunleavy that's why people hate duke i mean obviously leitner but in the 2000s that's why people hate duke because those teams were good as hell, and they were low-key fun to watch, and that's why people really hated them. Yeah. They were like, damn, Duke team with brothers that are the main attraction, right? Open and giving these guys business. Yeah. yeah. They're getting brothers now? That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, they, they've always gotten the best white guys. We can't give them the best brothers, too. This is a problem. Yeah, there, nobody was like, oh, Grant Hill, he's a brother, but, you know, his dad played for the Cowboys and shit. That don't count. Nobody yeah. counted that. Nobody counted Johnny Dawkins. When they started getting Elton Brands and the Jay Williams and stuff, they were like, damn, these brothers, you know, they got the dirt rug in their crib type brothers. Like, that's when, <laughs> that's when, that's when the hatred, that's when the hatred went crazy, man. Yeah, Jay, Jay Williams when his name, name was Jason. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and he had to change it because the other Jason Williams that played for the Nets was in some legal trouble. Mm-hmm. White chocolate? <laughs> Isn't that what they called him, white chocolate? Three oh, Jason Williams, Williams at the time, all unique characters in their own rights. That's true. God, That's I forgot true. There, were, there were three of them, man. Yeah, white chocolate, the best Jason Williams by far. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Just in terms of uh, overall entertainment value. Oh yeah, he was he was going to give you five turnovers a game, but yeah. that throw behind the back pass or that no looker that'd be on Sports Center, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, one of the best passers in the history of the league. Even if he doesn't have the assist totals necessarily, just in terms of the creativity and the ability to get that done too. When when you make that many plus plus plays, you're allowed a few more turnovers, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great move by Kings getting rid of him for Mike Bibby. Great move. Hmm. That was a great move. They got absolutely screwed by the Lakers in 0-2. Kings should have a ring, but, you know, 
That's another story for a different day, fellas. Mike, yeah. well, yeah. Look, that was an era of the NBA that got me to quit the sport, Zay. And that series <laughs> is one of the examples that we can always point to, especially because Tim Donahue let everybody know about the league's dirty little secret. Yeah. And Mike, yeah. of course, one of the uh, the great walking penises on this planet. Not in terms of me disliking the guy. He just looks like a penis with ears, right? Uh, you know, that's why he was smart because I think he realized that and then he put a headband on and he didn't look as much like a penis. He didn't look as much when he got the headband because he went bald quick. Uh -huh. Arizona days, he had a nice little tight fade for a light-skinned brother. And then once he went bald, it was like, yo, Mike, you got to do something. Yeah, you got to do something. Bibby was my favorite player, man. I've been wearing a headband on mine since <laughs> I, was, I was young. Wait, are you being serious? Is Mike Bibby your favorite player? No, and I also have not worn a headband on my dick at any point in my life. <laughs> if, you need, if you need clarification on that part of it, too. <laughs> I thought you were saying, I thought you were saying when you were playing basketball, you wore the headband. All right. Oh, no, my God. no, not on my head or or anywhere else when I was hooping. Never. Oh man. Love uh, you guys. I got the horns 21-17 tomorrow. See there we go. Okay, so a win, but uh, no cover for Texas. No, no. Okay. it's going to be nerve-wracking and stressful, just like a lot of these Texas games have been in the last decade plus. So get ready for another one, Horns fans. I'm with get it. Get ready for another one. Enjoy the weekend, brother. We'll uh, we'll see you soon. Appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good show. Love you, Zay. Love y'all too.